Hey, I want to welcome you to the Martin Plain Podcast. This is episode number 26. Today, I'm going to talk about the 2020 presidential election. Now, I want you to know, I don't think it was right. I have come to believe, based upon what I consider to be overwhelming evidence, that the 2020 election was not right. Now, you look at all the evidence, you look at the swing states, you look at the data, uh, the sworn affidavits that we've uh, heard about, and you come to the conclusion something just was not right. As a matter of fact, it looks like there was a coordinated effort to throw the election to Joe Biden. Now, there I said it. I said it. There, there it is. And here's the deal. There are a lot of people that feel the same way that I feel, and a lot of times we are a little bit reluctant to say anything because we don't want anybody to think that we're some type of uh, you know, conspiracy nut, a conspiracy theorist, or anything like that. We want people to think that, you know, hey, we're good people, we're, we're pretty cool people. Uh, we don't believe that, uh, we don't believe in these big time conspiracies. But I can't help but just from observation, uh, I can't help but just from looking at what I consider to be the facts, that something definitely was not right with the 2020 presidential election. And as a matter of fact, based upon a Rasmussen poll, I am not alone. Up to 30% of Democrats say that it is very likely that fraud affected the outcome. Now, 20% of Democrats say it is very likely. On the Republican side, 75% of Republicans say it is likely that fraud affected the outcome of the election. And 61% of Republicans say it is very likely that fraud affected the outcome of the election. So overall, 47% of Americans overall say that it is likely that Democrats stole the election. 47%. So when I say that I believe that the 2020 election was not right, I am not by myself, and I'm not some type of kook or some type of conspiracy theorist, but I do believe, you know, there is an ultimate conspiracy. I believe that there is a satanic conspiracy at work in this world against the work of God. I think that's biblical. I think that's what we talk about, spiritual warfare. And so I know that the devil, uh, according to Jesus, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So I do know that there is a sinister plan, and I, I do believe that there, spirit, there is spiritual warfare going on in our nation. And I do believe that that spiritual warfare actually applies to the 2020 presidential election. There, I said it. Call me whatever you want to. Uh, but that that is my firm belief. I, I don't believe that the 2020 election, I do not believe that it was on the up and up. And yes, I am a pastor. I am a, a Baptist pastor. And I understand the whole concept of the separation of church and state, but that does not mean that God is not involved in politics. That does not mean that you cannot address issues of a political nature. I don't believe that's the case at all. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Bible, uh, all throughout the Bible we have believers who dealt with secular authorities. You think about Joseph in the Old Testament. He dealt with Pharaoh. Moses dealt with Pharaoh. Daniel dealt with Darius, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, and Cyrus. Nehemiah dealt with Artaxerxes, Esther with Xerxes. Uh, all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, they would address the kings and political issues and how 
the moral climate affected the health of the nation. They also talked about God's judgment upon pagan nations. In the New Testament, of course, Jesus himself dealt with the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. You have the Apostle Paul dealing with the proconsul of Achaia named Gallio. You also have Paul dealing with Roman governors Felix and Festus. And, of course, Paul did appeal to Caesar. So you, you cannot say that those who are of faith never address those who are, are in political authority. They did in this Bible, and I, I still believe that we are to address political issues in our day-to-day. -day. And, boy, this 2020 election... It, it really needs to be addressed. Now, there was an article in The Spectator. It's written by Patrick Basham. And the name of the article is Reasons Why the 2020 Presidential Election is Deeply Puzzling. And he just gives some, you know, evidences that he would think would trouble most honest observers. Did you know that, according to him, Trump had, we know that Trump had over 10 million more votes than he did in 2016. Now, this is the third largest rise in support ever for an incumbent. This is based upon uh, Patrick Basham's article. Now, conversely, think, think about this. In 2012, Obama got 3.5 million fewer votes than he got in 2008. Now, Trump got over 10 million more than he did previously. 95% of Republicans voted for Trump. Did you know Trump drew his support with black voters by 50% from his level of 2016. Also, Trump got 35% of Hispanic votes, and it is said, according to this article, if Democrats get less than 60% of Hispanic votes, it's supposed to be impossible for them to win the election. Think about the, the down-ballot races. Republicans won all 27 toss-up contests in the House. Also, every non-polling metric forecasts Trump's re-election. Now, here's something that we know as we observe from the election that was kind of troubling. On the night of the election, the swing states stopped counting votes at the same time on election night. I remember when we were watching the election. It was late at night. I was over with Stephanie and Stephen, and we were watching. All of a sudden, they said these states were going to stop counting votes and come back the next morning. I remember I told him, I said, you don't do that. That's not how this is done. You don't just stop counting votes. I knew, I knew innately that something was up, that you don't do that. And, and, and I knew I didn't even want to go to bed because I thought, man, if I go to sleep, I'm going to wake up the next morning. They're, they're going to have found all these votes for, for Biden, and it's going to be totally different. Sure enough, I woke up. It was different. Now, there, there appears to be some type of coordination going on there, just using common sense as you look at the evidence. There were all these ab abnormal vote dumps that were typically favored Biden, according to this article, 90%. Some of the return dates on thousands of the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania ballots were impossible. Some were returned supposedly before they were sent out. Some were returned the day of or the day after. You just It doesn't happen like that. They didn't match the signatures on the mail-in ballots. There was a historically low absentee ballot rejection rate. 50,000 votes in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, on 47 USB cards missing. 20,000 non-Georgia residents cast ballots, according to this article. The chain of custody had incredible breakdowns. There are incredible 
statistical anomalies. Uh, and in Georgia, after Biden overtook Trump, it is said that the next 53 batches of votes, Biden led Trump by the exact 50.05 to 49.95% margin for every single batch. All statistical anomalies favored Biden. Now, this is just some evidence in this article. Uh, also, you have Rand Paul recently. Uh, he said in an article for World Net Daily, it says, Rand Paul points to four wild data dumps that put Biden ahead. And they say, fraud, question mark. Here's what Rand Paul, U.S. Senator for, from Kentucky, says. He says, quote, interestingly, interestingly, uh, Trump's margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps between 1.34 and 6.31 a.m. That's when I, you know, went to bed. Statistical anomaly? Fraud? Look at the evidence and decide for yourself. That is if big tech allows you to read this. So there are two dumps in Michigan, one in Wisconsin, and one in Georgia. So you see evidence like this, and, and you take in evidence like this, um, and it's just it's kind of hard to digest. And also, you don't want to be thought of as being somebody, you know, it's crazy, like I said earlier, like a conspiracy theorist or you know, somebody that's on the fringe, but you, you just see things and you read things and you experience them, and, and you know innately that things don't work this way. And you see the evidence, and, and you see these experts starting to come out, like the guy that invented the uh, email and uh, one of the guys that's considered the smartest man in the room, according to the New York Times. They have joined Sidney Powell's uh, team of lawyers and experts. And you say, okay, there's some very smart people that also think that something wasn't right with this election. You see what's happening in Arizona, uh, the hearings in Michigan, Pennsylvania, some of the state legislators are beginning to wake up and say, you know what, uh, we need to see what is our constitutional remedy for this situation. I know that here in the state of Georgia, I have contacted uh, two of the legislators and I've expressed my concern and I've gotten some, I consider some pretty good feedback from them. But here's the thing that I told one of the guys, one of the legislators that I contacted. I said, look, everybody saw a train wreck. It's like everybody sees this train wreck. We saw it happen. We know it happened. And yet no one is saying anything about it. We feel like the people that should be saying something, they're not saying anything. And so a lot of people are like, what in the world's going on? Am I crazy? Uh, why is it that the people that should be doing something aren't doing something? Now, let me just say this. I've lost in life. I've lost in games. I can handle losing. I don't mind that. I mean, Well, I do mind it, but I don't, I don't want to lose. But if I lose, hey. I lost. But when it comes to something like this and you see the discrepancies and you see the inconsistencies and you see the, the uh, anomalies, then you get to the point where it's like, okay, something's not right. Like, uh, like, like the famous line, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Uh, we can say there's something rotten in the state of Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. So we want, to, we want there to be a remedy. We don't want things to just be pushed through. Here's something that has, that has troubled me. I have seen some people that are conservative, quote, conservative politicians, some people that are evangelical leaders, and I have just been observing. There are some that have been very disappointing. 
It's like they fold like a, like a cheap lawn chair. And you're looking at it and you're like, what are you doing? What's going on? And there are some people I have, I have discovered, they are really good in the art of surrender. But not in the good way where you surrender to God. It's like they surrender in ways they shouldn't. Yet, there are some that I have noticed that really know how to stand. And they know how to fight in a good way. And they have a backbone. Some that I thought had a backbone, they just have a lot of cartilage. Not much of a backbone. And it's been kind of very disappointing. But, you know, that's just my observation. And I'll also say this, that... uh, there have been some sources in the media that I thought were more trusted than what they turned out to be, and that's been extremely disappointing. And speaking of the media, this is something that, you know, I've known this for years, for decades, that the news media is greatly tilted to the left. They just are. You, you can't, you can do, you can do research on the articles they write. Uh, you can look at their political donations. I mean, it's without, you can't really dispute that. The media is on the left. But there has been a collusion between the mainstream media, big tech, and the Democratic Party. The collusion has been incredible. It's just been, you know, there's no pretense of disguise or or anything any longer, it seems like. And some of the things that are going on that you would think would be big news stories pertaining to the election, they're not even covering it. And when you see that they don't even acknowledge the existence, they're not even a little bit inquisitive, a little bit curious. It's like, what is going on here? Why is there such a collusion? And then you realize, okay, there must be a bigger game being played here. There must be something else going on. And when this happens, some people think, well, you know, I'm, I probably just better sit down and shut up because if there's something bigger going on, I, I just need to... Just go ahead and accept and just go with it. But I don't think that's the right way to go. I don't think that's the right course of action. Yeah, I believe as a Christian, God's put us here to be salt and light. I believe that the the main message that we proclaim is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the role of the church is to equip the saints for the, the work of ministry. But we are also to be active citizens. We're also to seek to have a transformative effect upon our our culture. You look at the Second Great Awakening, I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, look at uh, what it did for the abolitionist movement. Uh, You look at what it did for, you know, the temperance movement even. Uh, Women's suffrage had a really good positive effect. And so we are, you know, should have a desire to affect the culture in which we live. And I've said it in previous podcasts, it's okay for Christians to be involved in politics. Why wouldn't we want a righteous person to be in a position of authority? The Bible says that the people rejoice when the righteous are in authority. Why wouldn't we want the righteous to be in authority? I think that's a good thing. But what has happened in in this past election, it has not been good. And now, as Joe Biden, he's not president-elect yet. Constitutionally, he's not. So Joe Biden, when he's talking about his potential cabinet, people who would put in places of authority and policies that he would pursue. Uh, I want you to look at what he says about Israel, what he says about Iran. As a matter of fact, the New York Times recent headline back on the 21st of November, 
It says, quote, Biden's win means a demotion for Netanyahu and less focus on Israel. Also, they would pursue the Iran nuclear deal, which is not good for the United States, nor is it good for stability in the Middle East. What about traditional marriage? Well, look at what he says about the Equality Act. Look at what he says about transgender issues. What about the pro-life issues? Well, look at what he says about Title X, the Hyde Amendment, Mexico City policy. He's going to reverse a lot of the, he's going to reverse every pro-life policy that President Trump has enacted. What about religious freedom? Well, see the above mentioned items that we just talked about. It, it, it is not going to be good. And there's a group called uh, Religious News uh, Services ran an article about a group called Secular Democrats for, uh, of America. They're a political action committee. Secular Democrats of America. Uh, they are trying to advise Biden as he approaches religious issues. And here's, you know, they want uh, him to avoid terms like God and country. They think that we need to avoid that. Uh, they think we need to have non-theistic humanistic chaplains. Now I'm thinking about a chaplain that does not believe in God, a humanistic chaplain. What in the world can they do to help me? How in the world are they going to give me advice that's going to be transformative? How in the world are they going to give me advice uh, that's going to comfort me? Um, also, this group wants to change our national motto from In God We Trust, and they want it to be a, pl a pluribus unum. That is the Latin for out of many, one. They think that that needs to uh, be our new national motto, and also they want to do away with the religious exemptions to vaccines. Now, that's kind of curious now that we have this COVID vaccine coming around. There's a group wanting to advise Biden that you need to do away with the religious exemption for vaccines. I just, you know, I mean, I've been vac vaccinated as much as I can, I reckon, at my age. But um, they want to do away with any religious objections to vaccines. So when you start looking at what Biden will do, his administration, you know that from a biblical point of view, it's going to be a lot different from Trump. His policies will not be friendly to evangelicals and to the gospel. I think that's without a doubt. Just like I say, look at abortion. Look at traditional marriage. Look at the Equality Act. Look at all these items that, you know, how he's going to treat Israel, how he's going to treat Iran. It's not going to be good. And also, you've got this thing coming up called the Great Reset that you hear some of the economic uh, and big tech people talking about. Uh, they want to have a, a big reset coming up next year. And they want this to affect the economies of the world. And let me tell you something. When there comes a time where all these world leaders are talking about a big reset, as an American, I'm just remember, the views I express on the Marty McLean podcast are... You guessed it, Marty McLean's. So I'm speaking on behalf of myself. I want, I would want President Trump to represent us on the world scene more than a Joe Biden. Because President Trump has said, make America great. Put America first. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I believe that the Prime Minister of Canada should make Canada great again should put Canada first. I, I believe uh, the president of Russia should put Russia first. 
um, president of Brazil should put Brazil first. It's just natural. If you're president of a country, you should put your nation first. Why? Because those are, those are the people that you represent. That is your responsibility. Whereas you, I forget if it was General Mattis or who it was, that, uh, one of the guys that said that they wanted to get away from the America first foreign policy. And when you say something like that, I'm thinking, okay, well, who do we want to put first? Do you not want to put your own citizens first? Isn't it the role and responsibility of the President of the United States to put the American citizens first? It's not that we think we're better than everybody else, but I would expect, like I say, I would expect the Prime Minister of India to put the citizens of India before the citizens of America. It just makes common sense. So there is a globalist agenda that's coming. There really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's just common sense. All you got to do is just read. All you got to do is just look. There is a, a globalist agenda that means that you have to break down the national barriers. You have to weaken nations. And with the United States being the most powerful nation in the world, you have to weaken the United States. And as an American citizen, I don't want to see the United States weaken. I, I think that a strong America is good for the world. I think a strong America uh, restrains a lot of evil in the world. Just look at China. Do you want China to be the strongest nation in the world? Have you seen how they treat their citizens? So I think an America first foreign policy is really a, a good foreign policy. But getting back to what we were talking about at the first, I do believe that something was not right with this election. I do believe from the statistical anomalies, I believe from the sworn affidavits, from the mail-in ballots, I, I believe your big cities of Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Detroit, Detroit, uh, Atlanta, Maricopa County out in Arizona, I believe there are some definite issues that went on there. And I believe that they need to get resolved. And there are a lot of people that think this election was not right. A lot of people, I mean, I believe just giving my personal opinion, I believe President Trump won the election. There you go. I said it. I believe President Trump won the election. Now, that doesn't make me less of a Christian. That doesn't make me less of a pastor. That just says, based upon the evidence that I've seen, based upon, like I say, the overwhelming evidence that I've seen, I believe that it is a, it is a good conclusion. Matter of fact, I believe I would be wrong coming to the conclusion that Joe Biden won. Because I know prior to the election, Joe Biden, he really did not campaign. If you really go back and just objectively look, he really did not campaign. He didn't have hardly any public appearances, any rallies. And the rallies that he did, there weren't that many people there. Now, I know they were trying to social distance, but also you go and look at the enthusiasm gap between supporters of President Trump and supporters of Joe Biden, it's a massive gap of enthusiasm. And yet, you know, we're asked to believe that 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. That's, that kind of stretches the mind to believe that, just based upon observation, based upon evidence. It re that really does not make sense. And there are some people now that are saying, okay, Nothing to see here. Let's just move along, keep it going, keep it going. Let's get this thing settled. And there are other 
of us that say, wait a second, we need to make sure, let's go through the proper uh, constitutional remedies that we can go through. Let's, let's do everything according to the law. Nobody wants to do anything illegal. But there's enough here to say something is definitely not right and it needs to be investigated. Once again, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, and I'm an American, and I have no, I have no qualm saying something was not right with the 2020 presidential election. There, I said it. All right. Hey, thank you for listening today to the Marty McLean podcast. I want to encourage you, uh, if you're not active in the political process, to be active. Uh, contact your state legislator. Let them know your opinion on the issues. And if God ever leads you to run for political office, by all means, run for political office. But remember, don't sell your soul. Remember, you answer to God. Be kind, be courteous, uh, be polite, be fair, be honest. By all means, be honest. And be the person that God's called you to be. All right. Thank you for being with me today. Hope you have a great week. And uh, hey, who's, who knows what's going to happen this week? I'm Marty McLean. I'll see you next time.